you have your Bibles, go with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse number 12 and go through verse number 18 this morning. Uh, once again, it is good to be back with you. I did miss you all last week, but I heard that Dr. King brought the heat. Amen. And I'm looking forward to it coming out on the website. It may be up already, but I'm going to check that out. Uh, I was in Romania and had the opportunity to teach apologetics. And some of you may say, what in the world is apologetics? Well, it's basically uh, giving people uh, the ability to give answers for their faith. If someone says, why are you a Christian? Why do you believe in Jesus Christ? Apologetics would be able to tell people why, but also answer objections such as, if God is all good, all knowing, and all powerful, why is there so much bad in the world? Have you ever heard that before? Okay, we lectured for two days on that subject. So I'm just coming off of that, so the sermon today will go for about a day and a half. I'm just kidding. We talked about that subject. We also covered some of what we did here a few months ago about doubt. And what do I do when I'm feeling doubts about different things? And then finally we looked at something called Christian ethics. How do I as a Christian actually put this into practice? What makes something wrong? What makes something right? And the students there absolutely ate it up. It was really interesting makeup. They had everyone from high school students to a guy working on a PhD in biology. If you ever want to feel dumb, just talk to a person who is working on a PhD in biology, also medical students. So, but actually, just to give you guys a recap, uh, I brought a few pictures, but I need your help, all of those who are here on Wednesday night, um, all our Wednesday night crowd, I need you not to give away the key. You guys remember that? Okay, remember? Okay, alright, so, so here we, here we go. Um, I need you to tell me, and this can be open, we already had movement in a Baptist church with the prayer earlier, so some of you guys are already freaked out. Um, we're to, just go ahead and say what you think this next structure is. And before I show it to you, this is kind of the, breakdown of what happened. We flew to, to Amsterdam. You have to be very careful how you say that. And then we flew from Amsterdam to the capital city. None of y'all got that. To Bucharest there in Romania. And we got out of the plane and we were told there's a man named LSA who will pick you up. He has a beard. We got off the plane. We didn't see any bearded guys. And Justin's like, out of nowhere, this guy came up from right beside me. I'm like... Hello, I am Alice. It's like, whoa, KGB is like just out of nowhere, just like got there. And so, so he brought us on a two hour car ride to this, uh, to this mountain area called, uh, they call it Berta. Kind of like, I guess in English we would just say Bertha. And I was, I looked at the mountain, I was like, it is big Bertha. I mean, look at this thing. So we, we hiked up for about an hour to get there and we didn't hear a car the whole week. And I'm not a world traveler, but I've been overseas a few times. I've never been at a spot like this. There are actually wild plum, apple, and pear trees everywhere. You could just walk along and pick stuff off the tree and eat it as you go. There are horses up in the mountain. There, there were cows, and we were coming down this this narrow corridor once, and uh, there were three horses just there. They were just it was just us hiking up, and the horses who were there. My brother decided to pet one, and then one decided to freak. And I have never hugged barbed wire so tight. It made me think about those people who used to fight with the cavalry. I mean, you're walking in a maybe ten foot foot uh, wide path, and there's barbed wire on both sides, and three horses to side to charge at you, 
you find out real quick that white men can jump. Can I get a witness? It was just, I mean, all of a sudden, like, wow, where did that come from? Hanging on to the barbed wire. And, and so we, we finally got there, and it was absolutely a picturesque, beautiful place. But I need your help. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Q&A. Um, this next picture, what does this look like? Any Any guesses? Okay, close, close. Wow, third answer in Franklin County. Let's give it up. Okay, okay. I don't have I don't have a mason jar to give you. You know that would maybe be a little bit. But the the missionary David said he was telling me about the lay of the land. And he said, yeah, and there's a still a little while. I was like, a what now? And not because I wanted to go imbibe. Just want to make that clear. And he says, there's a still. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, yeah, they, they make kind of like a Romanian moonshine. I was like, I'm not, I don't, I don't drink. I don't advocate drinking. I don't think you should do it. All right. I don't think it's wise. But man, I have got to go and get a picture like this so I can show it to my church. It's your pastor from Franklin County in the mountains of Romania was by a still. Okay. Now, there is zero spiritual application from that. That's just for humor's sake. Let, let me give you something better. Like, what? And I know, I know there are some wheels in here in Franklin County turning like, well, well, maybe maybe the Lord is calling me to go do missions in Romania. I hadn't felt that before when they got, when they've got shine in that big of a area. Okay. So let's, let me give you just a little bit of recap here. Uh, these are a couple of guys that we worked with, um, uh, from the camp. Great young men. Uh, this is David. We actually grew up together in high school. We used to go squirrel hunting together. Do we have any people who are not ashamed to say, I have hunted squirrels in my life? Amen. Anybody say, I have eaten squirrel in my life? Okay. All right. So this is fine. I never thought, and, and some of you are all like looking around, like, you need to try it. And I've got some some people who know how to cook it, and I will not name any names. But, uh, but I, with, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go this morning. Uh, I'm still suffering from jet lag, so whatever I say, take it with a grain of salt. But when Dave and I were going, we never thought he was interested in business. I was interested in law. And it has been 12 years since we've seen each other. He started going to Romania as a senior in high school. Lord changed his heart. He, he went away from the business direction and began to go there full time. Um, I had moved different places. And so we got to reunite uh, over there. Beautiful place. This is how we heated the water uh, for the little cabin camp. We'd get up early. So I got up early one morning and was filling that with firewood. It was actually absolutely Awesome. And this was the last night we made a campfire to have s'mores and to uh, burn any vampires that showed up because we were in Romania. And actually, I had a member of the church tell me, he says, if you come back um, and uh, you decide to start having church at midnight and you're dressing in all black, I will gladly drive a stake through your heart. You know, it's just like that loving membership feel coming back from uh, near Vlad's castle. Uh, this is um, the guy, LSA, with the beard. This is us leaving. Uh, the airport there in Bucharest on our way to Romania. And I have to confess, we flew on a Hungarian airline. Uh, it wasn't a Romanian airline. It was a Hungarian airline. It's called Wizz Air. Um, guys, just to prepare yourself, Wizz Air has pink planes with dudes serving you water in pink shirts. And to make it worse, we had to check in to print our stuff before because they charge you like 20 euros if you're going to check in at the airport. David didn't have, and this is this is very strange, it's God teaching me to not take myself so seriously. He didn't have any white paper. Guess what the only color paper the man had in his house to print the boarding passes on? It was pink. 
So here, me and my brother show up with pink boarding passes to a pink shirted dude getting ready to get on a pink plane. And David pointed to me and Justin and said, and they're together. And the guy looked at we're like, we're brothers and we fight. All right? And so I just wanted to throw that in there uh, just in case you ever decide to fly on a Hungarian airline. I think the rule, guys, is you've got to watch all three Rambos to earn back enough man points if you check in with pink um, boarding passes. A uh, little <clears throat> different angle on this. This man in the middle, uh, his name is Franco. And uh, I'm going to tell a little more about him towards the end of this message. But he became a Christian when he was 16. He's 75 years old. Through communism, and some of you remember Richard Wormbrand and the voice of the martyrs. This is the same country. Incredible stories. He brought all of us on a mountain hike on Friday afternoon. And I'm telling you, you ever been on a hike with somebody and they lead the pack? They don't just lead the pack, but they lead the pack. He led the pack and he's showing us right here how to forage for wild nuts in the mountain. Um, This is him again. 75 years old. And I'll I'll tell a little bit more about that. But if you've got your outline this morning, we're looking at the message from the the text of Scripture. The title of the message is I Am Second. Check out this next picture. This is him. The mountains where he actually grew up. The mountains to where his family kicked him out of their household at 16 for being a follower of Jesus Christ, the very mountain that he trekked back up every day to bring them food in an effort to win them to Jesus Christ. And the place that we were, the camp location, so far up that we didn't hear a car the entire week, was the very place that this 75-year-old man had brought believers during communism And this was not just a communist country. I was talking to John about this. This is a communist country with a dictator, Nikolai Krzyzewski. And he brought Christians up to the very place where we were staying. It's kind of like a secret way to get out of the secret police's uh, view. It was so far up that the secret police would not come. And I just imagine what he must feel like today. His grandson, 16 years old, named Philip, was one of the guides who brought us up the mountain and showed us the way. And I say, what must God, what kind of joy must be in your heart to be 75 years old, to be threatened with death and imprisonment numerous times in your life just because you say, I have a Bible and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And now you're in the fourth quarter of your life. I don't know. He may live to 130. I have no idea. But he's 75 years old and he's sitting on the same mountain to where Jesus found him. The same mountain that he was able to bring people to to study God's Word in kind of a clandestine CIA where we're sticking it to Big Brother type of manner. And it's the very same mountain that every Every summer, kids from his country get to come and study the God that the communists tried to stamp out. You cannot destroy Jesus Christ or his followers. Amen, church? 
something that people have tried to do for a long time. So let's go ahead and jump into the Bible. We're going to try to unpack this text and apply it. The story there towards the end. Let's uh, start reading verse 12. Verse 12, Philippians chapter 1. The Bible says, this is the Apostle Paul writing from prison, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to him? He's been thrown in prison. Verse 13, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Make a little note there. The whole imperial guard is the praetorian guard. If you've seen the movie Gladiator, these are the the, the, the guard slash killers who basically are the assassins who either guard or assassinate Caesar depending on who pays them the most. These are the best of the best. The secret of the secret service. And to all the rest, here's what became known, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. The Apostle Paul had adopted a mentality that said, the first and the foremost thing that I am living for is to see the Gospel advanced. If you're taking notes, let me put this in there so that we could follow along. This is kind of the, uh, uh, the hub of the spokes of this sermon. The driving thought is that your level of contentment in life is dependent upon the level that you put the gospel first. That means that every area of life we try to put ourselves first and look for personal happiness and fulfillment outside of Jesus Christ, we will end in disillusionment, sadness, and depression. That means that if you are chasing the dollar, that you are a fool and you are deluded, and there will be one day, even if you gain that amount of money that you think will make you happy or secure, there will be a day to where the Bible says, obviously, uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, we know that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you gain the whole world, but help me out, church, but you lose your own what? Your own soul. Paul had come to the point where he said, you know what, man, all my degrees, all of my fame, all of my influence, all of my fr- everything that I have is like, it's like, you know, this, this, if, 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 this, this may be offensive. I, I hope it's not. It's in the Bible. But Paul basically said, um, that all of that, everything that he was compared to knowing Jesus Christ and being saved and being loved by God and being in a relationship with Jesus, all of that stuff was like what a dog leaves on your lawn that you have to clean up. That's his comparison. And in fact, our English versions translate it, it's all compared to Christ as dung. I looked it up in the Greek lexicon. You know what the best Greek scholars said that the best meaning would have been in that time? It wasn't the proper word dung. It was C-R-A-P. In the Greek lexicon, 
by people who do nothing but study Greek. Paul is making a point that everything that I have outside of Jesus, everything that I would advance myself for, is like that compared to Him. And I was just being able to talk to these guys and, and LSA who had lived under communism. And I said, what things do I value in front of Jesus Christ? If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Paul says, uh, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put up, I gave up childish ways. Ever been around a kid in the nursery? Maybe that's why some of y'all don't want to volunteer for the nursery. Like some of those rabid two-year-olds, man, when they get a hold of that toy, it's just like a, a snapping turtle they do not let go. If you've been around a kid, it is me first, isn't it? I remember growing up when, you know, mom would say, well, you, you need to eat such and such to, to one of my brothers. And if they didn't want to eat it, I'd say, or oh, I'm going to give it to your brother. We'd reach over to get it. You know what one of them would do? I never did this. Never, ever, ever. And I've never told a lie either. But what they would do is they would do something like pick it up and lick it. Right before I was about to get it, just so that I couldn't get it. You see... Some of y'all remember, like, hey, I, I forgot I did that, man. That was hilarious. And my sister was there, and she was mad, and I made that face. And, and think about it like this. When we look at kids, that is a microcosm of our own hearts. Because when we get older, we, we, we read the Bible and we say, you know, we, we read these verses and say, I know what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. But then when we come to church, we, we think about it like this. Am I going to like the songs that we sing today? Uh, we, we've sang that hymn before, or we've sang that hymn before, and I like that hymn. Or they've got drums on the stage, and somebody's playing today, or they're not playing them today, and I, 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 I me, me, me. And then it's just, I, we've used this song, man, because Toby Keith has a finger on the culture. It's all about me. That's why the song sells. Because we can laugh at the song because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Because like, I know a person and that's their life song. But it's never about me. Paul says, guys, I want you to know, verse 12, that what's happened to me is it's almost kind of like a covert. has actually advanced the gospel. Now, now think about what has happened to Paul. He's been thrown in prison give you something for you nerds in here. The word for advanced here, the gospel, literally means a movement forward to an improved state, progress, advancement, furtherance. It's used in Philippians chapter 1 verse 25, which says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Also, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. It's progress. The gospel is progressing even in prison. Now imagine you are there and you're a first century believer, and the guy that came to you and told you about Jesus, told you how to be saved, he keeps on getting beat up, shipwrecked, Thrown in prison, and when they're in prison, they beat on him some more. And you're kind of getting like, ah, man, I don't know about this. I mean, and it's almost like Paul is saying, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about this. If you're confused about the constant pattern of suffering in my life, let me let you in on a secret. The world sees when you go to prison, your influence is diminished. 
But what God has done through my prison experience is he's actually increased my influence for the gospel. I mean, how many of us view being thrown in prison by a cruel empire a good thing? Prayer request? Prison. Paul's almost like praise report prison. It's opposite. And sometimes we can get the, you know, even, even stuff like talking about people in Romania being under persecution, we get this wrong idea about the gospel to where we think it is all just blood and guts and doom and gloom. And the only thing we have to hope for is heaven one day. There's nothing here. It's almost like, I don't think I've told you guys this, but when we were, I definitely didn't tell those of you who were traveling with us in Costa Rica, um, when we were there in San Jose waiting on that long delay, uh, I was trying to just be nice to this one attendant guy because he was getting flack from everybody. The printer wouldn't work for the, the passes to eat things that he had to print out for people. And I went over was trying to talk to him. And all of a sudden, he begins to give me details about what happens if a plane goes down. And I thought in my mind, I said, bro, that is probably not the best customer service scheme ever invented. He told me, he's like, you know, and he's, he's a Costa Rican guy there. He's like, you know, I mean, if, if you're there on the front of the plane, you're dead, man. You are just dead. Like those movies when the plane lands and the pilot's there and he's kind of like shooken up and maybe a little bit of blood on his forehead. That's not true. The only way you can really survive one of those is if you're in the tail end. Like that's the only way you have a prayer. Because if not, he did it just like that. I was like, dude, are you, what? And so I'm checking my ticket to see where I am in the plane, you know, saying, Lord Jesus, please, you know, take the wheel, literally. So, some, sometimes that can be the case with following Christ as well. You, you may come into contact with someone who is so negative they could reverse a battery. I mean, you're talking about, there are some people within the church that are just negative. They they complain all the time, and when things are fine, they just sit there and don't say anything at all. And and sometimes if you're new to Christianity, or you come into church and you see someone who they just, like uh, the old evangelists say, they come and they sit, they soak and they sour, and they just look like they've had a bad day every day, and they don't speak to anybody, and they're just rude, and and you're like, okay, so if I get saved, I'm going to be like that? Heaven may be good, but man, where's the local atheist club? Like, what, what is wrong with the, what is good? You know, and you can get the wrong picture. Paul is saying, guys, it may look like everything is bad, but I'm letting you know that there is hope in the gospel. If we don't have a gospel first and a me second outlook, let, let me give you a little key about happiness. You will never, I will never be happy. Never. Notice what he says here in verse 13. Here's what happened through the imprisonment. So that it became known throughout the whole imperial guard, all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. If you're taking notes, this is a key to contentment. A key to joy and contentment is this. Understand and believe with faith, believe with faith that your suffering on any level can advance the gospel. 
You have to take the leap of faith to say, my physical issues, my health that is breaking down, the drama that has happened in my extended family, me losing my job, people not inviting me to certain parties because they know that I won't go get drunk with them, all of my persecution, all of the things that have happened to me, that I, 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 I search the Lord, it doesn't look like it's because of sin in my life. I have to believe that those things, my suffering, will and can advance the gospel. Philip Yancey said this. He said, on my travels overseas, I have noticed a striking difference in the wording of prayers. Christians in affluent countries, a.k.a. you and I, tend to pray, Lord, take this trial from us. I have heard prisoners, persecuted Christians, and some who live in very poor countries pray instead. Lord, give us the strength to bear this trial. I'll give you four ways here. This is all in your notes of how you say, okay, Jeff, maybe one thing to say that my suffering can advance the gospel, but exactly how does that work? Number one, suffering can give you access to otherwise closed places. Where is Paul? He's in prison. How well do you think it would work if Paul walked up the steps and he's probably in Rome and says, I need to have entrance to talk to all of your special praetorian guard about Jesus Christ. Would not go over well. But if you're a prisoner and they're like, you stay here and you stay with him, Paul's like, cha-ching captive audience. Which, by the way, if you're ever on an airplane, it's a great way to share the gospel. If people don't like it, there's the door. Right? I don't have time this morning. We were able to witness to two guys. One was from Denmark. One was um, from Norway. You know, and they, they had to check their Viking helmets there before they got in the plane. I'm just kidding. They're great, great, great witnessing opportunities. And uh, when we went to Germany to visit friends for a couple of days, uh, my friend, his name is his name is Wilhelm. He goes by by Will or Willie. And his dad was a an underground pastor in the Soviet Union. Isn't that cool? For us to look back on it and say, wow, but it was not so cool when he was thrown into prison for two and a half weeks. And I got to sit down again with him this time. And through a brother-in-law there who was translating, I said, I remember your story about how you said that you praised God that you got to, that you got to be thrown in prison, in a Soviet prison. No Bill of Rights, okay? No phone call. No high dollar or cheap lawyer in between. You don't have rights, okay? Communist country. You are property of the government. That's it. You're chattel, nothing more. And he says, I praise God that I was able to be in prison because if I had not been in prison for two and a half weeks, I would have never had the chance to share the gospel with the other people in prison. Now, just stop. And think of how you and I normally react when our rights are violated. I'm not talking about necessarily civil rights. I'm talking about basic stuff. Talking about when people don't do what's right to you and I. You know what we usually do? We reach for the American sixth gun of justice and our shaky hands of vengeance and guilt and unforgiveness never really do the best job at applying it. It's really quiet. 
Say, Jeff, are you telling us we shouldn't have the Bill of Rights? No, all of those things are good. I am so blessed to be in the U.S. of A. Can I get an amen? And I would think that the best thing that we could do for everyone in our country under 30, maybe 40, I don't know, is ship them off to a third world country for a month. Communist country for a month. Just say, you know, I'd like to hurt you. Just live. Then come back. I guarantee you there will be a lot less complaining and a lot more working. And I'm just going to move on from that because I don't want to get in the flesh with my own generation. Uh, Number two, suffering can not only give you access to closed places, but it can give you access to closed people. You see, now, Jeff, who who are the Praetorian Guard, this, this Imperial Guard? These were the very ones who kept Caesar safe from assassination, or in some cases they assassinated Caesar as well. Guess who was the ruler at this time? Crazy Nero. Remember Crazy Nero burning the Christians, using them as torches? The bros drinking out of lead goblets and stuff. I mean, just totally insane. These are the top guys, these are the top soldiers. The Navy is the seal of the seals. And yet Paul is there and he's winning them to Jesus Christ. It's almost like God in His grace and His mercy says, you know what, I'm going to save, send you to these poor Jewish people. I'm going to send you to Philippi, which was a military retirement community. Very interesting. And you got to think that those old veterans of those Roman wars that were in Paul's church, who had been convicted by the Holy Spirit, fallen on their knees and said, Jesus, please save me. I reject all other gods except for you because Jesus is Lord. You know some of those old war dogs had to have a little bit of a smile come to their face when Paul says, I'm in with the imperial, the praetorian guard. They're like, I know what he's doing there. And I know what happens when that brother begins to preach. Remember the story in Acts? Paul preached well into the night that a dude fell asleep, fell off of the balcony, fell out of the window, was killed. God supernaturally raised him from the dead. Paul gets going and they would have the guards come in four hour shifts often. Not always. Often they would be, he would be chained to two of them. Can you imagine having to go on a four hour shift if you're not saved with the apostle Paul? Alright? Now let me just be honest. I have friends that I have met in Rocky Mount that are yet to come to church. Do you know why? And when I talk to the very bottom level, gut level, because whenever they see anything having to do with God, they are so convicted, they don't, they, it's like they stay away. Can you, like imagine you're a pagan Roman guy, and you know in your heart that you're not doing right, but then you get chained to the Apostle Paul, and he's there, and he's preaching to you in prison, so suffering can give you access to closed people. And some of you, you say, Jeff, man, when I got sick and I was in the hospital, I was so ill. I don't know why those things happened. God allowed or called, whatever you want to put on it. He had you there for a reason. The things that happen to us that are bad. And don't ever think that, that, that you, you know, some people say, well, oh, no, 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 brother Jeff. That's, we know that God can work all things together for good. He can do that, but there are a lot of things that are downright bad. Can I get a witness? Like there's no, there's no right way to cut that. Well, no, it's bad, it's evil, it's wrong, it's sick, and it's twisted. And through suffering sometimes, through those things, God can open doors to people who are close. For example, if you have ever been abused in any type of way in your life, there are many people out there who are exactly like you. And they don't think that anybody has ever gone through. They feel, they feel alone. They feel strange. They feel, uh, dirty. 
And if you can come to them and say, you know what, Jesus has helped me to get through that, they can see God has opened that closed person through your suffering. You ever been around soldiers, police officers, firemen? I've yet to find one of them filing his nails. Usually they're, 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 the guys and the girls are they're just, just strong, tough people. Can you imagine those guys? Oh, look at this short little Jewish guy. And the one who's talking about, what was it, the, the Jesus in Palestine who died on the cross and he rose from the dead. This guy probably hadn't been through anything. We don't know this for sure. But Paul had physical scars from the beatings. Can you imagine if those soldiers tried to push him to say, you had never seen anything. You're, you're a Pharisee. You're, you're a scholar. You're in academia. You don't know anything about the blood and guts that we have to deal with. Apostle Paul's probable response would be, just pull back my tunic a little bit and look. And they saw that lacerated, scarred up back. That gives you serious, serious street cred when you're talking to strong, strong people. And God used Paul's suffering to get to closed places and to closed people. Now, I just think about this. What would most of us do to try to get that kind of audience? You know what we do a lot of times in the U.S.? We try to, we try to make things a little bit nicer than we are. Have you, have you noticed any of that in popular culture? We don't like to talk about the difficult stuff. I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to praise God for you. Good job on getting up and coming to church. Amen? It's okay to clap. There's everything in the world that's telling you, you don't need that. You don't don't have to be saved to go to church. You don't have to go to church to be saved. And we've got all these things that crowd around. I just want to encourage you and implore you, do not give up, all right? Don't give up. And then when Satan or when someone else tries to say, you're just too serious about this stuff. Like that's what the guy from Denmark told me. He sat down and he spoke in great English. And I said, oh yeah, so so have you been to the U.S. before? Yeah, I worked in Texas for about three years. I said, oh great, how did you like it? Way too Christian for me. And it is re- if you like social awkwardness, you should see what happens when you tell them I'm a Baptist pastor. It is just, if you like that kind of stuff, you're just rolling in it like, oh yeah. But man, I'm telling you, there will be people in your life and probably have been that will not say in the U.S., Dude, you need to burn your Bible and start doing like a pentagram, like put it on your, your kitchen floor and like be, you know, sacrificing it. No, no, no. People will simply in our culture just say, you, you just need to kind of tone it back. Like maybe okay going to church once in a while, but I mean, you're just a little bit too crazy about this whole thing. Don't back down. Okay? Can we, can we agree to do that together? To love people and not say that we're having to, to, to water it down. I want you to just go with me on this train of logic. If you and I water it down, if we don't tell them about the hard stuff, then what else are we going to tell them? We're, are, are, are we going to just make up something? Because that's your other option, right? 
Now, obviously, it may not be the best time to walk in on Christmas morning when you've got all your family there and a lot of them are unsaved and pull out the manuscript of Jonathan Edwards' Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, stand on the table and begin to shout it. That may not be the best method, but when it is time, when God is moving upon your heart to share the gospel, don't edit it. Don't edit it. Don't change it. Don't try to do what some do and just don't talk about the difficult thing. Jesus was always consistent. Man, I love when you read about Jesus. It didn't matter who he was speaking to. He always told the truth. Paul talked to jailers in Philippi. Okay, He talked to low people, but then when he talked to that ruler named Festus, you know what he warned the ruler about this is a little guy in chains and he's got no rights he's got no lawyer but he warns this ruler of judgment to come wow I plead with you do not edit the gospel a couple things that encouragement can also do is they can give inspiration to otherwise discouraged people. They can give courage to otherwise fearful people. That's why Paul says there in verse number 14, he says that the brothers are now more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Without fear. These are people, and they probably didn't, um, were not experiencing cowardice at that time, but man, when you see stuff like you get thrown into prison and that's our leader, I, I may be getting a little nervous, but it means that they were supercharged and said, you know what, even though the iron fist of the Roman Empire has smashed down on nation after nation, this little, for those of you who are history uh, students, that little Latin tribe that came out of the Alps, that got down into the Italy, and then they began to just explode in growth, and it was just like a fist after one nation after another, they began to destroy everyone, dominate the whole known world, but then Jesus came. And Jesus allowed the Romans to build all the roads that the gospel traveled on to get to all places of the known world. Isn't that interesting? In the fullness of time, Jesus was born. So if you're a thinker here this morning, may this encourage your heart to say, you know what, there is no intellectual problem that is facing Christianity as a defeater. If you're a more timid, a more merciful, uh, I guess compassionate person, just know that if the gospel of Jesus Christ works in prison, in the Praetorian Guard, that He will work for you. If you're a lion, if you're just aggressive and you just go out and grab... Hey, just know that in Christ you are more than a conqueror. Nothing can stop the gospel. So let's be brave about it. Let's love people. Your friends that you've tried to witness to a lot and they just seem to kind of put it off, go to them again. I sent a friend a text message early this morning. I hope it woke him up. <laughs> All right? If you have the spiritual gift of irritation, you'll understand. But he's just, he's far away from God. I was like, bro, I just hope that you're pursuing Christ. I don't want to be weird. Like, sometimes, like, how do you package that stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Like, how do you go, how do you go from cutting the grass to Jesus? Sometimes you just got to make that and just acknowledge that it may be awkward. Like, I don't want this to be weird or like out of the, I just got to, I just got to talk to you about this. And just do it. Invite him to church. Bring church to him because time is running out. I don't want to sound like a maniac up here, but bro, like, I, I just, let's not waste our lives. Let's not do it. Let's not take the lie that Satan has given to say, you know what, it's okay if you're a little bit interested in Jesus. Some of you have children and grandchildren. Pour the gospel into them. 
Pour it into them. Tell them about your mistakes. Be real and open and honest with them. One thing I've known about students is that students are so responsive when we're real. They can spot a fake a million miles away. I've messed up. I have done things that were wrong. I don't want you to make that same. And if you're here this morning and you didn't have that spiritual father, if your parents didn't care about the Lord, if you're raised in an abusive, jacked up, domestic violence laden community, a type of house, know that Jesus can change your family when you get older so it doesn't have to repeat that. Amen? We serve God who is able to continue to do what we don't think that He would be able to do. They spoke the Word of God without fear. And finally, in verses 15 through 18, the Apostle Paul says, and by the way, there's some people who speak the Gospel, but they do it to try to cause problems for me. And verse 18, look at what he says. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Saying, you know what? Like for us today, if I teach my Sunday school class, I don't have to get pats on the back seven days out of the week to continue to serve Jesus. When I sing in the choir and people don't come up and ask me for a signing contract after I'm finished, that's okay because I'm singing to an audience of one. Are y'all okay? The the man that we, we spoke about Franco, 75 years old. He said when he was 16, someone came to the mountain. Very remote. And they shared the gospel with him. And he got saved. Now this may not translate well. I'm still trying to put it through my American filter. But his parents were so enraged that he became a follower of Jesus Christ. They grabbed a broken table leg and almost beat him to death. His spleen was detached. He ran to a neighbor's house. And his father followed him with an axe. Going to kill him. All right. Once again, for my Mary, we, it, it's hard for us to even conceive. There's a lot of areas in the world where this is. The, if, if you convert from what we are, if we're atheist and you convert to Christian, if we're Muslim and you convert to Christian, you're done. You're no longer our son. You will die. But the neighbor didn't give him up. He later, as I said earlier, would take food up the mountain to his family trying to convert them to, to the Lord, showing the love of Christ, forgiveness. Then he was conscripted into the Romanian army. He was on the Hungarian border for when Tito, the Hungarian dictator, was wanting to start a war. And he said, the Holy Spirit came to me and said that there will be no war. They were on the border. The guys had the bandoliers with the bullets, and they were sleeping with their combat gear. But he said, I slept in my pajamas every night because he says, God had told me there will not be a war. He says, my, the other guys were saying, you're crazy. We could give the order or just at any moment to attack or, or to respond to being attacked. Why are you not ready? He says, there's not going to be a war. He says, after a while, guys, when the war didn't happen, they said, did God tell you that? He said, yes. So there was another time to where uh, they were all given a bucket to wash the military trucks. And if you lost your bucket, you were in serious problems. And he says his bucket was stolen. He asked around. No one knew where it was. Because every morning they would call the men to arms. They would all stand in a line. They would call his name and then call him the repenter, which is kind of like a derogatory name for Christian in Romania. And they would have him, the repenter, Franco, stand in front of all the other soldiers. And they would just ridicule him for being a follower of Christ. Think about it. 
I'm sorry, I've got to be honest, people who say I won't be baptized or walk down and a group of friends, I'm like people from other countries who are followers of Christ but look at you and not have a category. Be courageous. And he says, the other soldiers said, well, you know how to get one. You know how to steal. He says, I I can steal. He says, but I don't want to. So he says, then the commander gets in the jeep with him and then they drove the jeep to the middle of a river. They park them all. The commander says, stop all the vehicles. We're washing them right now. If you didn't have your bucket, you were in trouble. He says, as I looked up the river, he says, there was this bucket that was floating down the river directly towards me. It was so new that it still had the decal from the store. Picked up the bucket, praise God, washed the jeep. Another time, to where he was reading his Bible at secret at night, one of the other soldiers found out, reported him to the commander. He went into the commander. The commander says, is your name such and such? Yes, sir. Are you a repenter? Which means are you a Christian? Bad thing to be. He said, yes, sir. He said, is that your Bible? He said, yes, sir, it is. He said, were you reading it? Yes, sir, I was. And he said the commander was just kind of taken back and just looked down and then said, anytime you want to read your Bible, he says, you can come to this guard shack and there will be no one here. Respected the courage. And I didn't find this out until after Brother Franco had left. But he also smuggled Bibles. And do you know that every Bible he ever smuggled, he wrote his own name? You know why? In case the secret police busted the people who the Bibles were smuggled to, they wouldn't take the rap for it. He would. I am second, putting the gospel first. As I got up one early morning to put wood in the stove and to try to help out so the water will be warm, I just sat there and it was kind of like the Lord broke me. The very place that we were was a place that Christians went because they were hunted like animals. They went there to study the Word of God just to be able to, to study it without the secret police looking over your shoulder to break in your door to take you off to prison. I said, I'm on holy ground. See, very same place that they did that today, God is operating a thriving Christian camp to where there was a Romanian girl among one of the ones who was there that week who gave her life to Jesus Christ. And I just thought, what must be going through his heart and mind? The very place that he had had, like that old song, The Cleft in the Rock, that little place of refuge, that little place to where he could go for safety. And then looking back when he's 75, seeing young people all over Romania come and hear the gospel that the communists tried to stamp out. Listen, you can't put a price on that. And if it were up to me, I'd take that retirement over any mansion in West Palm Beach, Florida. What's the application for us? Wherever God tells you in your life, advance the gospel. Don't back down. Advance it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We've got our musicians coming. This is our time of invitation. Some of you have never been saved and you need to be. You need to become a repenter. You need to repent. That simply means to turn away from your sin, turn to Jesus and be saved.
just right now, just turn away from your sins. Say, Jesus, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm giving it all to you right now. Right now, I'm asking you to save me and take over my life. Say, save my soul, Jesus. And maybe there are some believers and you have been discouraged. You've had a difficult time, difficult week, difficult month. And advancing the gospel may have gotten lost in the midst of the suffering. This morning, just ask God to encourage and lift up your soul to say, God, I know that you can use my suffering to advance your word. If there's any of you who need to join this church, this is where you would serve. You want to be a part of a church that does missions and cares about people's souls. We ask you to just get up out of your seat and walk down one of these aisles and courageously to stand up for Jesus, to say, I know God is leading me and I'm going to go. And there may be some of you and you have been saved, but you've never followed Christ in believer's baptism. That means getting baptized after you are truly born again and saved. Just ask God to give you the courage, and He will, to get up, walk down, and say, I'm ready to follow Christ in baptism. Father, we ask that you would move strongly in this time of commitment. In Jesus' name, amen.